Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today I am riding solo through this Q&A. So I posted on my Instagram story this morning, and it already kind of popped off. So we're going to answer some questions here. I have some other ones from the last q and I did earlier in this week. This is the second one I've done. Um, and we're going to dive into it. I actually have somebody ask like seven questions, but they look like great questions. I haven't read through these completely, so we're just going to kind of roll with it and see how it goes. Um, only special announcement I have for you guys today is to go check out all of the content on the website. Guys, we have so much free content. I just want to constantly make a shout out to that. We're trying to really highlight the, the, the blog and highlight the guides and highlight the, the videos that are hosted on there um, simply because I think there's a lot of untapped knowledge and education on the website. You know, with social media growing, with podcast growing, which I'm obviously thankful for, YouTube's a big thing, podcast's a big thing, um, Instagram is massive, TikTok is huge, which I'm not a fan of personally. But the point is, is there's a lot of social media stuff, but you can only go so in depth. So when it comes to really, really learning and really educating yourself to be a better coach, to be a better fitness enthusiast, to be healthier, to get leaner, whatever, to have a stronger mindset, anything, blogs and podcasts and long form videos not found on social media, those are the best ways in my opinion. That's why I believe some of the most successful coaches, most successful mentors, most successful authors and and speakers, keynote speakers, entrepreneurs, CEOs, you see them all having long form podcasts, long form videos, writing full books, audio books, YouTube. So in order to be the smartest version of yourself, to be the most productive version of yourself, the most successful version of yourself, in any capacity, you need to be patient and you need to commit time into reading, to learning, to listening, to watching. So go check out our website, tailoredcoachingmethod.com, and just browse. There's so much free stuff there. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to jump right into the question. So the first one I have is from Simone underscore meh. Uh, maybe it's Simon, but it's spelt differently than normal. So I apologize, brother, if I uh, mispronounce your name. Um, I said podcast questions and he said more about your app. So he wants to learn more about the app. So what can I tell you about the app? Um, the app is, it's amazing. Honestly, I've been getting a ton of great feedback. Um, I actually even have, uh, some pro wrestlers now using the app instead of coaching directly with me. Um, that's how great the app is. Literally it's, it's, uh, it kind of does everything for you. Like if you're in a position where you want the results that a personal trainer or a online training coach would give you. The app is the answer. You know, I get a lot of questions about nutrition. Like, is that, does the app cover nutrition? And no, it does not. You know, you're in the Facebook group. You're, you have the access to the private messages and stuff. Um, so general advice regarding nutrition, you can get through there, but you can also get that through the podcast. Training, on the other hand, is what this app is about. This is called the Tailored Trainer. Um, you can download it in the app store, but in order to actually sign up, you need to go to tailoredtrainer.net and you can sign up there. You can learn more about it there. Um, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's $27 a month and there's no commitment. So worst case ever, you pay $27, you don't absolutely love it and you decide to go hire a trainer, do something different. You're out 27 bucks and you've learned a little bit more about the app, you know, but the reality is, is, is as long as you don't have a ridiculously specific scenario of an injury or you're rehabilitating or anything like that, the app is amazing. We have so many different people on that. We even have people who are uh, like, I'm actually going to pull this up because I got a testimonial from somebody that was just phenomenal. And she's more of a beginner, which made it really just that much more impactful, in my opinion. Um, All right, 
so uh, she said, I love the TCM app. I once felt so lost and like I didn't belong in the gym. I was uncomfortable in my skin and I didn't know how to use machines or equipment whatsoever. The idea of starting to strength train made me nervous about looking bulky, looking dumb, or being judged. I've seen the amount, uh, I've seen the most amount of definition and shift in my physical body as well as mental energy and confidence while using this app. I feel challenged in ways I've never felt challenged before and I'm so empowered by gaining physical strength. I know at my core that I belong here, that I'm capable, and I know what to do with the videos and guidance of the app. It's cool to be able to track the progression in terms of types of exercises, reps, and weight in the app too. So nice to not have to think about what to do and have detailed videos for each exercise if I need it. I am so happy and grateful the app exists. It lessened my anxiety in the gym, and I started to do, just do things that I was once afraid of. Um, and I actually can't even finish the message because it's a screenshot. And just so you know, uh, I didn't plan that based on the question. I also didn't get that sent to me. So that is something that was sent to one of my coaches from their clients. So my coach asked them, how are you liking the app? And that was their response. And then my coach screenshot and sent it to me. So we weren't fishing for a testimonial, which makes that testimony even better. But she said it so perfectly. If you're a beginner and you don't know what to do in the gym, if you're intimidated by the gym, if you're intimidated by reading programs online, it's the perfect place for you to eliminate gym intimidation and start training effectively. It's exactly why we have other nutrition coaching companies pushing the app because it solves the questions that all of their clients ask. Um, it's also the best place if you're an advanced lifter, because I have programs in there that I literally use. I've been training for 11 years every day of the week, almost obviously I take a rest day or two every week, but 11 years of training, I, I'm, I would like to believe I'm a pretty skilled, uh, gym trainee, you know, a gym athlete, if you will. I know what I'm doing and there's programs for me in there. There's even programs that are good for both. They're, they're, they're so good that they're simple. And, it, and I know that's hard for, they're so smart, I should say, that they're simple. And that's hard for some people to understand. But they're so simple that it makes it easy for, for beginners and new intermediates to do while also being really effective for advanced individuals who can do the same simple stuff, but do it in a way that is executed properly. And that's really one of the big principles of being better with strength training is to be able to use simple strategies and simple exercises and simple programming and make them exceptionally hard and difficult and challenging and push you to new progressive growth. Um, so there's all kinds of programs in there. There's over 20 programs. There's full body. There's upper lower split. There's upper lower push pull legs. There's push pull legs. Um, there's all kinds of different splits. There's strength splits. There's bodybuilding splits. There's hybrid splits. I mean, it, it, whether your goal is strength, fat loss, muscle growth, all of the above, health, it's the right place for you. It breaks it down. It gives you videos for everything. It tracks your progression and predicts what you should be doing in the future. So if you use it for a few weeks, it starts telling you what you should lift. So you kind of can't escape progressive overload, right? Because if you're doing something and you're using 150 pounds, um, next week it's going to tell you, hey, you should use 155. Like it's going to bump you up, right? It's going to give you the right progressions. Everything's trackable. Everything's measurable. Um, your calendar, your, your, like your workouts, all that stuff is, is handled and manually uh, done by you. So you control your schedule. You control your split. Um, you get access to, to the message feature to ask me questions. And it really is me literally answering the questions. Uh, and I go in there, try to go in there every day and, and file through the questions. So it's, it's literally me. It's not like a, an assistant or anything like that. Um, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. And the fact that it's less than a dollar a day, uh, you can't even get coffee for as cheap as this, this app is. It's, it's kind of absurd. So again, taylortrainer.net, check it out, guys. I can't say enough about it. It's one of my, uh, in the business, it's one of the things I'm most proud of. Sean Ryan PT, biggest client success story or client that surprised you? 
that's really tough at this point in time. Um, I can think of a, a good amount of people that were great client success stories that also really surprised me. And it's typically women who come to me uh, afraid to lift, like kind of like I just talked about. They're afraid to get bulky. They're afraid to lift. Um, they're afraid to eat more food. Uh, they're afraid to change what they've been doing. But what they've been doing hasn't been working. And they've been under eating and they've been over uh, cardioing, over yogaing, over circuit training, all these things that are high intensity or uh, just not conducive to muscle growth because they're afraid of building muscle. They're afraid of eating more food. Um, and they haven't doubled down on what science shows to be a little bit more effective and better, right? And uh, those are always super rewarding when I'm able to help shift them, you know? And I have many of them that have gone through this process for with like a year plus. And after a year, they really start to see a difference in their physique and their health and their mindset and their energy, Um hormones, everything. And those are always super rewarding and they're surprising because people are so dead set on their ways and unwilling to change. And through proper coaching, communication, empathy, and scientific strategy, obviously, uh, they, they slowly start to shift. So those are always big client success stories and they surprise me. Um, I think the, the, the largest success story that I could possibly refer to, it's been the same for the last five or six years, um, and it was an individual who went through some pretty traumatic, uh, events in their life and she had extremely bad PTSD from it. And, uh, without explaining her specific story, there was no way for her to go, like she couldn't be around men in a gym or sports setting, uh, because of the physical, emotional, sexual, and verbal abuse that was done to her. And it's, it's, it's very, very sad story. It's very, it's insane. It's, it's something that is, it's sad that people in this world even, uh, can conceptualize the things that were done, but she came to us and, uh, I sat down with her, uh, for whatever reason, I can't remember. It was so long ago, but I was the, the trainer that sat down with her. And basically she, she wanted to overcome that fear. She wanted to get back in the weight room where it all started and, uh, where she was so afraid of, she wanted to conquer her fears. And I have so much respect in, 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 for her. And there's just so much inspiration that came from her because she attacked it face on. And in her mind, like I always say to you guys is the obstacle is the way, right? Her way through the fear and through the obstacles that she was facing in her life was directly going into it, right? It was directly facing the fear that she was, af that she was afraid of the, the obstacle that was in her way. And, uh, and she did it. It was a, it was a long, like, I think was, we trained for like two years. It was a long process. Um, there would be moments where she would have panic attacks in the gym and, uh, I was the only one that could talk to her. It was my voice, the touch of my hand on her shoulder. And that was a pretty powerful feeling because it took a while to be able to earn that trust from her as well. Um, and eventually she actually uh, tried out and made, um, I don't know if it's semi-pro or pro because there's, there's not a huge pro football league out in, in Washington for women. Um, but she played at, at the highest level you could possibly play in the state of Washington for football. Um, I believe it was the Seattle Majestics. I think they're, they're, they're called. And, uh, that was crazy because when she came in, not only emotionally, but physically, and, you know, that was a crazy goal. Hearing a client say, this is my goal. I want to make this team. And I've never played football. And I have this situation that it causes PTSD, so I can't even step on a football field right now. Um, and I, I haven't worked out in years because I've been at PTSD. If I go into a gym, it's like, whoa, did I bite off more than I can chew? But I told her I have no experience with PTSD. I'm not a therapist, but I'm going to do everything I humanly can to help you. Um, and we did. Two years later, she made the team. She was PRing. She was strong. She was fit. She lost fat. She built muscle. It was, 
the most empowering uh, thing I've ever been a part of, and, and her success story is by far the most impactful to me. Um, I get a little emotional just thinking about it. It's crazy. Uh, amazing human being. Strength and grace, uh, or grace uh, Strength and grace. How would you go about finding out food sensitivities slash stomach issues? Um, I think the biggest thing is, is listening to your body, right? So um, food sensitivities are tough because food sensitivity tests can be helpful or they can be extremely inaccurate. So there are some food sensitivity tests that use uh, what's called IgGs. Uh, to find out what you're sensitive to. The problem is, is just consuming the food can, can create an increase in those IgGs, uh, which are a type of enzyme, I believe, that, that's basically spike up. So you can test, you can see this. The problem is, is if you just had bread, you're going to take a food sensitivity test tomorrow, and it's going to tell you that you're sensitive to bread because you often have bread, and be, so your IgGs are spiking up, and therefore they're going to read IgGs, and they're going to say you have a sensitivity to it. It's not the case, right? Um, there's plenty. I did a, a sensitivity test way back before I had much knowledge on it. And I remember them telling me to remove things that I've never felt bad consuming. And so I did, and then I just couldn't adhere and I hated it. And then I started eating again and nothing changed. And it was just like, what the hell? And then I learned more about the science and realized that it just wasn't that great. So the best way to uh, find out more about food sensitivities and stomach issues uh, is symptoms. You know, if you have stomach issues, that's step one. Don't worry about food sensitivities until you have symptoms that are showing discomfort um, or stress in the digestive system. So if you're if you're experiencing bloating, gas, um, your your stools are not normal. If you are having digestive issues, that's when you're going to go. Okay, I need to I need to fix something. Now, one thing to know because I've seen people have stomach issues and try to eliminate all this food, yet they're just stressed to the brim. They're just super fucking stressed out, and that's the reason they're having gut issues because there's a there's a definite tie in between the two. If that's the case, then what I would say is don't focus on eliminating food until you handle the stress. So this is where we kind of cover all of our bases, right? The very, very basic stuff. If you're having gut issues, are you getting enough fiber? Are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough micronutrients in your diet? So you're getting enough greens and, and fruits and, and stuff like that. Are you over-consuming processed foods? Like is, is 50% or more your diet just processed packaged foods? Probably shouldn't be doing that. And then last but not least, definitely not least, are you getting, uh, are you managing stress? So are you getting enough sleep? Are you recovering? Is your stress too high? Emotional, physical, mental, doesn't matter. Stress will cause gut issues. If you can say that you're good with fiber, you're good with water, you're good with whole foods, um, you don't have too much stress in your life, then you can start eliminating foods. And the best way to do it is to attack the, the non-paleo foods first. So if we look at an elimination diet to fix food intolerances or sensitivities, it's, it's really just a paleo diet, essentially. So looking at your diet and going, okay, am I consuming gluten? Am I consuming dairy? Am I consuming legumes? Am I consuming a lot of alcohol? Am I consuming soy? What am I consuming too much of or just on a regular basis? And let's try to eliminate those things because eliminating those things is likely going to lead to removing those symptoms if their symptoms are happening because of a food intolerance. Um, and then once it, the best way to do it is remove all those things uh, and then enter them one by one in after a week or two. Um, so it used to be like a 30-day elimination protocol. But based on how the digestive system works and how your gut passes food along, uh, I, I would recommend a week, you know. And, and we actually had a good conversation about this uh, at a team call where we bring all the coaches together and our CSO, Dr. Brandon Roberts, kind of chimed in and said, you know, seven days is enough, right? So if you cut out all these foods, wait seven days and then pick one to add back in. Do you want to add gluten because you miss bread or whatever gluten-containing food you, you love? 
add that one back in, see if you respond poorly to it. If you do respond poorly to it, take it back out. You know, that's probably the culprit, but then still every week, add one more thing back in until you figure out what the one thing is. So if you add gluten in and nothing happens, you're good with gluten. The next week, add dairy. Nothing happens. You're good with dairy, right? You add something else back in and you respond, you react to it. Okay. That's probably what it is. Um, more commonly, the two ones that are most common are dairy and gluten, um, and, and then stress, of course. It's, it's, it's stress quite often, and I think people undervalue that. So make sure you, you check that out too. All right, uh, Balance with Brenda has quite a few questions, actually. I love it. So um, try to – I mean, there's like seven, but I think these are really applicable to everybody. Um, Let's, I'm going to try to crank through these. Uh, okay, so we'll start with this one. How not to judge yourself harshly when energy is lower than you hope for workouts? Um, I always think when it comes to judgment, take a logical approach, right? So if, if anybody listening to this really struggles with judgment, a good book is, I, I prefer the audiobook. It is uh, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And it is uh, the judge your neighbor worksheet. Um, judge your neighbor, uh, and, and it, you make, it makes you judge yourself too. But like when you think of things logically, it removes the judgment feeling, right? So if we look at this, right? How to not judge yourself harshly when energy is low and you're trying to work out. Well, why would you judge yourself for energy being low? It's an emotional thought, right? Because you're, you're, what you're literally doing is you're looking at the situation with extremely high expectations for yourself for no rash reason. And that's causing these emotional judgments against yourself. You're, you're, you're creating these stories in your head. But if we look at the scenario logical, you probably have every logical reason to be tired. You know, maybe you're in a deficit. Maybe you had a long night. Maybe you, you haven't deloaded in six weeks and you're just, you're sore, right? Maybe it's just a stressful day. Maybe you just don't have it. Every normal human being listening to this has those days, right? So if you, if you, can remove the, the emotional part of this and just think like, you know what? I have every right to be low energy. You remove the judgment. There's no need to judge unless you're putting standards and an expectation on yourself that are just too high to be normal for people. The other side of it is go to the gym and warm up. Like literally just put yourself in a position where I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to FOMO. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do mobility. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm just going to, I'm just going to train. Or I mean, I'm just going to warm up. I'm not going to train. And now your expectation is super low. Usually when you go there and you start warming up, you feel better, right? I just talked to somebody yesterday and uh, same thing. Oh, I'm going to go and I'm just going to foam roll and I'm going to ride the bike for 10 minutes. After that 10 minutes of the bike, they were amped up. They were ready. They had energy. They felt like they were like, you know what? I'm here. And then they start cranking through the workout and they finished the whole thing. They had a great session, right? The mindset usually blocks you from performing harder. And it's a lot of times you just got to trick yourself into it. But I think the point is, is you got to remove judgment for yourself by thinking logical and not emotional. That's really the key. Judging anybody is an emotional thing. It's a very emotional thought process. Now, I'm, uh, there's, there's obviously certain judgments that are ethical, um, but I think that's a different scenario. When you're judging yourself, it has nothing to do with ethics. It has everything to do with emotions. It has everything to do with expectations of yourself. and has everything to do with not giving yourself grace. Now, I also think there can be a positive side of this. You should have high standards for yourself. You should have high expectations for yourself. But you should also have realistic expectations, realistic outcomes, realistic thoughts about yourself and standards for yourself. I set my standards very high. I do. And it pushes me. But I never let the emotional outweigh the logical if 
the emotional is going to put me in a state of not accomplishing my goals. So I think, I think honestly, Brenda, I think the best thing for you to do is try to try to split the scenario into two situations, emotional and logical, right? And if you can shift from the emotional and just think on the logical, if you can just shift your mind to the logical aspect of this, I honestly think you'll have a much easier time dealing with it. Um, and you'll be able to move forward pretty easily because there's no reason to judge yourself for having low energy. That's a normal human function. It's just fucking normal. So, so avoid judgment and just think logical, you know, and you, and when you think logical, sometimes what that happens is, okay, why am I tired? And when you think logically, there's physiological reasons, there's, there's planning reasons, there's sleep reasons, there's hormonal reasons, there's, uh, food reasons. And then you go, okay, well, logically, how can I fix that? Well, maybe I'm under eating. Maybe I've been dieting too long. Maybe I am dieting and that's part of dieting is you normally get less energy and I need to stop comparing my energetic self on a surplus diet or on a refeed day or on even at maintenance to my deficit because when you're in a deficit you think slower you move slower you lift lighter like you just you're that's part of it and it's okay accept it because your goal isn't to get stronger and more energetic during deficit it's to lose fat so it's accepting the things that happen during that deficit in order to get you to the place you want to be which is leaner Second question is how to avoid or combat thought traps that convince you you don't actually want a goal um, fuck, that's a good question. I should maybe save some of these for a mindset Monday. Um, sorry, I'm drinking Powerade because it's 90 fucking degrees in this office. Uh, and no, I don't have AC in the office because we get three days of heat and it is one of those days. Um, so you might hear me pause to, to hydrate myself a little bit while I'm sweating my ass off. Um, but avoiding or combating the thought traps that convince you to don't actually want that you don't actually want a goal, I believe is you need like so they're not always a thought trap. Actually, it could be an intelligent thing. You probably you might have heard the saying like uh, knowing when to quit is actually a skill, right? So there's actually there's times where quitting is actually not a bad thing. It's actually a helpful thing, and it's something that you should do. So what I would say is again shift to the logical side of your brain with this question. You have to sit there and go, okay, well, logically speaking. What happens if I quit? Pros and cons. If I quit right now, if this, if I'm quitting because like I don't actually want that goal, weigh out the pros and cons. If they're, if it's the right decision, there'll be more pros than cons. You know, there's plenty of people who don't know when to quit. They keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and they don't even know why they're going after it. They don't, they don't really want it, and they don't know the benefit or the. They don't even truly believe that they're going to be fulfilled or happy when they get there. They haven't thought that deep. They're doing it out of ego. They don't want people to see them quit, and I can relate to that. I get it. But the reality is you have to be just as strong, if not stronger, in order to know when to quit, in order to advance yourself further in life, than you do not quitting and continually beating your head against the wall, getting nowhere. So you got to take a step back and look at it logically and go, if I pursue and I push, what are the pros, what are the cons? If I quit now, what are the pros, what are the cons? If there's more pros and there's, there's a logical reason to quit, it's because quitting this will allow you to put your focus somewhere else and you'll immediately feel that that somewhere else, quote unquote, is what you want more is what you're truly after, is what, you, what you're really passionate about, right? But I also think there's a lot of times where we try to convince ourselves consciously or subconsciously, usually subconsciously, we try to convince ourselves that we don't really want it that bad because, not because we don't actually want the end goal, but because we're afraid of the work it takes, right? We're scared of, of the change. We're, we're afraid of challenge. We're, we're doubting ourselves. When we doubt our ability to accept challenge and work through struggle, 
that's when we start creating this, this self-talk that's negative and we create a story in our mind and subconsciously we try to avoid actions and we usually subconsciously self-sabotage ourselves from getting anywhere because we convince ourselves that we don't really want it. It's not the case. We're afraid of change. We, we fear doing something different. We fear stepping out of our comfort zone, which is very normal, but that's typically where this comes from. So how do you avoid it? You know what I just said. You write it down. Think about that. And ask yourself when you get to that situation, okay, pros and cons of both ends and am I doing this because I actually want something else and I'm wasting my time doing this or am I doing this because I'm really afraid of stepping out there? I'm really afraid of taking action. I fear change. I'm, I'm going to get uncomfortable and I'm trying to avoid that. And I get that. We all do that. There's plenty of things I avoid, conversations I avoid, things I procrastinate because I'm uncomfortable. I'm way better at it now because once you start doing it, you realize that it's a great decision every time you actually take action on it. But nonetheless... I think you have to step back logically and think that, right? Sit there and go like, okay, am I, am I, sub, am I like subconsciously self-sabotaging myself and creating false narratives about how I don't really want this because I'm afraid of change. I'm afraid of taking action. And I think that will, that'll help. Um, navigating hunger, cravings, urges while, di- while dieting. Um, okay, so... Um, there's two questions on this. Another one is from Anonymous, and it's thoughts on hunger when dieting. Uh, they're anonymous. They wish to be unknown. Uh, what does it mean, tips to deal with it? So I think that kind of relates to Brenda's questions of na- navigating hunger, cravings, urges while dieting. Um, there's a few things to understand here. Number one, if you are going into a deficit, you will be hungry. So I think it's important for people to accept hunger more than it is to people to avoid it. Doesn't mean you shouldn't use strategies to avoid it you know, um, or navigate through it or try to work through whatever that, of course, why would we not try to make it easier on ourselves? Why wouldn't we? Of course we want to. But if you're trying to avoid it, if you're telling yourself that you shouldn't be hungry, that's where I think you're, you're creating a false narrative that's setting you up for, for failure, right? You need to accept hunger as part of the journey. Just like with hard work, or success, you need to accept hard work. You need to accept struggle. You need to accept difficulty and in, in discomfort. I think there's a lot of people who don't succeed because they, they struggle with that. They think so much about the outcome that they forget to think about the work required. They fall so in love with the end result that they fail to fall in love with the process and getting there, and therefore they never reach the end result. That's why I'm huge on outcome versus Uh, I'm sorry, I'm huge on process over outcome. Like you should be about the process, not just the outcome. Yeah, you should have an outcome. That's your North Star that gives you direction of where you're going. That's your ending destination that the GPS is going to take you to. But you also need, need, need to be able to accept difficulty and accept struggle and accept hard work because that's the only way you're going to get to the outcome. You got to accept the process. So I ultimately think that navigating through it starts with accepting that, you know, in, in, you have to look at it with this thought process. And I think this is really, really important for people to think of. The best way to accept hunger as part of the journey, which you need to do in order to get through it, in order to successfully win and get to your goal, fat loss, is going to be, first and foremost, understanding the science behind it. In order to lose weight and body fat, which is your goal, right? So if you're in this scenario and you're like, how do I navigate this hunger? How do I not be so on girl time? If you are chasing fat loss, You want to look leaner. You want to see more muscle. You want a flatter stomach. You want tighter hips. You want smaller pants. Whatever it is, you want weight loss and fat loss. That's your goal. You want to get leaner. Great. Scientifically, we need the scientific principle in order to lose weight or body fat. 
the scientific rule of, of thermodynamics, the law of thermodynamics means you need to be in an energy deficit. Your energy balance needs to create a deficit. Your calories need to be in a deficit, which means you need to eat less in order to lose weight, which means you're going to be hungry, period. You really can't be in a calorie deficit and, and completely avoid hunger. It's, in, it's impossible. If you're never hungry in a calorie deficit, then one of two things happens. Either A, you're just not even in a deficit, or two, you're metabolically adapted, and therefore you're kind of still not in a deficit, but you probably should take a break from dieting because you've been there too long, right? So your body is adapted to it, right? Or you just didn't create a big enough deficit, so you're really not in a deficit. So you're not losing weight, and that's why you're struggling. That's also why you're not hungry. So in a way, hunger is a good thing. So I think that's that's my my tip. Like thoughts on hunger when dieting, what, what does it mean and tips to deal with it? I mean, technically, it means you're in a deficit. Technically, it means you're probably going to start seeing results right? You're on the right path if you're hungry. And I know that sounds crazy to some people because they hate it, but accept it. Learn to accept it. And if you can learn to accept hunger as part of the journey to losing weight and being fitter and leaner and healthier, then you are really, really, really going to be more successful in life in general because you will learn how to accept difficult things on the way to getting the things you want, period. Outside of that, it's simple tips that you can Google and find. Drink more water, drink some caffeine, have some teas, more voluminous food. So you should have be like having big ass salads with chicken on it. So it's lean meats, low calorie foods, but a ton of lettuce. It's going to fill you up. You should be having more roasted vegetables instead of sweet potatoes, right? So, um, or rice. So replace some starch with some vegetables. Have more fibrous fruits. When you do have starch, make sure they're high fiber uh, starches with trace fats and trace proteins so that they slow down the digestion, like oats, for example. That's a slow digestion carb compared to white rice. It's going to satiate you and keep you fuller for longer. So very simple things, but just making more volume out of your food um, and drinking more water and, and liquids, those are going to be the biggest things. Uh, mentally, I would say just keeping busy. Like I'm hungrier on a weekend than I am on uh, a weekday because during the week I'm, I'm fucking going. I'm busy. I have tasks. I have, I'm, I'm productive and therefore I forget to eat. On the weekend, I don't forget to eat. If I'm just chilling at home and we don't have anything planned for the family, I'm like, I'm looking through the fridge. I'm looking in the pantry. And then I find myself there. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not even hungry, but I'm bored. So stay productive, stay busy. You know, we went, I took uh, Blakely and my wife to the zoo uh, a couple weekends ago and the same thing, I forgot to eat. And I got to the end of the night, I was like, holy shit, I have a ton of calories left because I just forgot to eat basically because we were so busy and we were running around the zoo. So keep your mind occupied and it'll, it'll help a lot too. Um, all right. Another one from Brenda. How do you stop overthinking your habits slash goals and just execute? And I apologize for everybody else. There's some of you guys that might not get your questions answered, but she asked a lot of good ones. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to roll with them. How to stop overthinking your habits slash goals and just execute. Study other people. I think that there's no good answer for this because everybody does it. You're human. Every single person who will give you advice, if you ask them, how do you, how do you like, how do you be more consistent, right? How do you stop overthinking? How do you start having whatever? Just do it. Just take action. Just make the leap. Just jump ahead. Just go. That's always the answer. And it's easier said than done. So people listening are always like, okay, I get it. But how do I just take action? There's no secret formula to it. It's facing your fears. It's just doing the work. It's being able to grind. It's being able to have a little bit of grit. It's being able to ignore the emotional side of you that is telling you to stop and making excuses because it, it craves comfort and security. And it's jumping in and deciding to choose discomfort and lack of security, a little bit more risk because you're willing to make that sacrifice in order to get where you want to be. 
That's as, I mean, that's as, that's the simplest way I can say it. There's no hack here. And I, and I get this question all the time and I understand the question. And I think a lot of people answer it the same who have uh, accomplished this. And it's the same. It's just do it. The only way to stop overthinking your habits or goals and just, and, and win and just execute and just get results is to do just that. It's to execute it. It's just to take action. It's just to jump out there despite being afraid or despite the change or despite the risk, despite the, the fear of discomfort. You just have to do it. And you have to understand where it's going to take you. So visualize that. That's the only like hack or tactical thing I could say outside of just take action. Sit there and visualize the difference between where you could be if you just fucking did the work and where you are right now. And sometimes that sounds like a depressing thing because you have to sit there and, and look at what you don't like about yourself. You have to pinpoint the things about where you're at right now that you are not content with, that you are not happy with. But that unhappy and unfulfilled feeling, that unsatisfied feeling, that feeling of not being there, the feeling of not being where you want to be is the fuel to take action to get you where you want to be. Because if you do this comparison, it, it creates a, a legit image and clear vision in your mind of where you could be. And that means that you can do it. It means it's possible. It creates self-belief and it starts to eliminate self-doubt while increasing the awareness of what you do not like in your current self or current being or current place, current result, period, right? And I don't like shaming. I don't like self-hate. I don't like any of that. But at the end of the day, if you don't sit there and realize that you don't like where you're at right now, then, I mean, you're never going to break through. You have to not like where you're at right now in order to leap forward to get where you want to be, plain and simple. Um, all right. Uh, okay, a couple more from her that I'm just going to crank out easy because I think it's simple. Uh, how to attach less allure to food and see it more neutrally with craving slash urges. Uh, you have to stop putting food on a pedestal. Like, you got to train your brain. At the end of the day, you got to re remember that food is fuel. And, and again, I, I'm really big apparently on uh, uh, looking at this logically instead of emotionally. Uh, food is an emotional thing. Food is an amazing thing. Food is a very social thing. I love food. I, I'm, I, I've been a foodie. I have a book, literally, from diners, drive-ins, and dives that gives me every single restaurant on a map that he went to on that show over the however many seasons. And every time I used to travel, I would go, I've been to countless restaurants that that guy went to on the Food Network. So I'm a foodie. Trust me. I love food. But at a certain point, you have to remember that food is fuel. And when you can logically think of it like that, you, you begin to put it, take it off the pedestal and put yourself on the pedestal. You control the food. The food doesn't control you. And that's an empowering feeling. But you have to create that perspective and you have to create that thought process. Your thoughts dictate your actions. And that's been a quote repeated many times by many great people. So if you can sit there and, and teach yourself to think and know that your thoughts control your actions and that your thoughts determine your future result, then you can start to sit there and go, okay, I need to stop putting food on a pedestal and I need to start looking at his fuel. What is going to make me feel better emotionally? What is going to make my digestion better? What is going to make me more productive at work? What is going to make me train harder? What is going to make me hydrated better? What is going to make me recover faster? What is going to make me sleep better? Because I can tell you what, if you give into binges and cravings and urges and you splurge on things like high processed foods, highly sugar food, a lot of alcohol, you don't feel good. We all know that. You have to prioritize and put your self and your body on a pedestal before the food. You have to sit there and go, you know what? My body is worth more than the temporary satisfaction of eating this sugar, eating this fatty food, eating this thing that I know is going to wreck me tomorrow. My days are worth more. My body is worth more. This is the one body I have in my life. So I think ultimately it comes down to self-appreciation for your body. 
And if you logically look at a situation and you could tell if you were coaching somebody, you could tell your client this easily because it's lo- it logically makes sense. It's like, hey, your body is worth more than that. It's your most valuable item. You have one life and you have one vehicle to get through life with, period. Why would you not treat it amazingly well? And giving in to cravings and urges and binges is not treating it super well. So take the food off the pedestal, put yourself on the pedestal and treat yourself better and think about what's going to fuel your body. I think that's ultimately it. It's, it's, it's truly just a mindset shift. Um, how to navigate conversations with family members judging your dieting phase. Uh, I've always used the same line. I say, what you eat does not make me shit or what I eat doesn't make you shit. And then they kind of look at you, they laugh because it is kind of funny. And I leave it be, you know, and if they go, but seriously, what's up? And I'm like, dude, like at the end of the day, and this is, this is what I would do. Don't make it some long drawn out thing. Don't get upset because here's the deal. One of two things is happening right now. Either A, they just care about you. And so there's, there's two situations. One being when this person is actually a good person, they actually care about you. And I mean, both scenarios, they could be good people. So I shouldn't say that, but it's somebody you care about and somebody that cares about you and they see you struggling because you're dieting. It's hard. I have family members like this and they're like, yo, just come on, man. Like just have a beer, just, just have a burger or like my grandma, like I don't, I don't go over there for dinner when I'm dieting. That is, that is no bueno, but it's out of love. It's out of care because dieting is uncomfortable. Challenge is uncomfortable. A lot of people aren't comfortable getting uncomfortable themselves, let alone seeing their loved ones do it. So sometimes it's just out of care and you say, Hey, like, no, I'm good. Don't worry about it. Like I still use the same line for everybody. Like, Hey, what I eat doesn't make you shit. So no worries. Like it's all good. And then they laugh and sometimes they leave it alone. Sometimes they, they poke. And I just say, Hey, look, like at the end of the day, I'm doing this for me and I'm, and I'm happy about it. Like, I'm totally good. This is making me better. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. So I just need your support. Nobody who cares about you is going to, is going to fault you for that or, or, or try to poke you more. They're going to respect that for good. If they truly care about you and they're truly a good friend or family member. And then the other person is saying it because they're uncommitted themselves. They've tried to diet. They've tried to commit to things. They've tried to stay consistent and they cannot. So it's actually coming out of uh, a little bit of jealousy and a little bit of envy and their insecurities fuel it because they're insecure that they've never been able to do it themselves. So they try to talk you out of doing it. So they don't feel worse about themselves not doing it. And they do it subconsciously. But again, I have the same conversation. What I eat doesn't make you shit. So don't worry about it. And hey, like I'm doing this for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to work on myself. I'm trying to get leaner. I want to be happier with my body. I want to be healthier. Um, and I would just appreciate it if you just let me do it. You know, I'm not hurting you by doing this. And I had to have this, that same talk with my friends because I was fat kid growing up. I was the chubby dude in the group. And I think there's, uh, there's something cool and funny about having the, the, the chubby dude in the group. I, I was a clown. I was, I was loud. I was, I was fun. And I, they probably feared I was going to change. So they gave me shit. And that's part of what guys do. But after a while, I just told them, I was like, hey, man, like, I'm really trying to work on me. Like, it bugs me when you say shit. Like, I'm just trying to do this, man. For real. And it got kind of quiet and awkward. And they were like, damn, dude, I'm, I feel you. Like, good for you, dude. My bad. And then it was never again. Never again. So just think about that. Um, all right, last one from Brenda. Beyond getting leaner, best core training for visible abs for a, a woman. Check out my Instagram. Uh, I just posted a reel on that. And then I also have a full guide on the website that you should definitely check out. I think it's called um, com slash ab guide. But if you type in core training or ab training on uh, the search bar on our blog, or you go to Google and type in Cody McBroom ab training. I've written one for uh, personal training development center. I've also written one for my own website. Um, and it dives deep into all that. But the big thing is that um, essentially 
what I would suggest is hitting the movement patterns and doing it multiple times a week. Uh, beyond getting leaner, like you said, best core training to hypertrophy abs, you still need to do that. You know, I can get really lean and you can see my biceps, but they're not going to get bigger and be more obvious if I don't do curls. So the same thing applies with my abs. And what I would do here is while you're getting lean, I would increase uh, your your increase the frequency of it. So I like hitting abs three to four times a week. So the frequency should be higher and you should mainly be doing spinal flexion movements. So sit-ups or reverse crunches or hanging leg raises, right? Anything where your spine actually crunches and, and rounds and you can compress your uh, rib cage. So as you round your back and your spine and you're flexing the spine, you're going to crunch your abs, duh, exhale and pull your rib cage down and really squeeze and fire your abs as hard as you can. You want to find that good mind-muscle connection. I like using an ab pad or doing like a hanging off a glute ham raise so I can get into a little bit of extension if you don't have back issues because that... It actually stretches the abs, so we go through a full stretch shortening cycle, full range of motion of the abs, um, just like locking out at the bottom of a curl is important, same thing. Um, and then anything else should be anti-movements, so um, anti-lateral rotation, so like a single arm farmer's carry, anti-rotation, so like a bus driver, a Russian twist, or a Pavlov press, something like that, um, anti-extension, so like weighted planks, uh, long lever plank holds, um, things like that. Uh, it's basically just anti-movements. So when you're doing anti-movements, we're doing, we're, we're bracing and creating, creating stability and, and tension while avoiding the, the movement or resistance that's being applied to us. And that's really, really important as well. Um, so outside of spinal flexion a few times a week, those are the ones I would add in and they help a lot. Uh, Josh underscore alpha strength, longest deficit you have personally completed. Like six months. Um, if, if we're talking like straight deficit the whole time, probably six months of just dieting straight to it. Um, maybe some refeeds here and there. Um, typically like, and I've kind of been experimenting with it this year. I started a deficit in January and I'm still kind of in it technically, but I've been taking long diet breaks periodically due to life events. So instead of dieting straight through, it's like, we're going to diet for a couple months, take a month off, diet for three months, take two months off, you know, and, and it's kind of longer diet breaks. Right now it's more of like a couple weeks on a week off because I have trips and stuff that are a full week long and I'm just a little bit more loose. I have a little bit more calories, uh, just diet break style and I'm still slowly dropping. So I'm actually, I haven't had like a, a revert in weight. Like I haven't gained weight in any of those periods of times during the diet break, but I also feel amazing. Like I feel I haven't once felt diet fatigue this entire year, which is saying a lot because it's already almost August. As I'm recording this, it's the end of July. So that's a long time to be dieting and not feeling diet fatigue. Um, but part of the reason I did this is because one, I had a lot of life events come, going on um, and situations that would need my attention more than dieting. Um, also some trips. And then also I wanted to maintain as much muscle as possible and I wanted to avoid diet fatigue because I need to stay alert and productive to run my business and, and be a good father. So I tested this out and I have all the time in the world. I'm not stopping this anytime soon. I do this for a living. It's like, let's do it for the whole year. So one full year of dieting this year. And it's basically been like, like I said, uh, good like periods of time in a deficit, but then also long period of time of, of maintenance and diet breaks. So uh, less frequent diet breaks, but way bigger diet breaks, uh, like literally like a month plus. And so far it's been really good. It's been helpful. Um, I've had uh, a two month diet break and then a full one month diet break. And then I've had a couple where that were like, uh, half a week to a full week long. Um, and it's been good. I've been feeling really good. So this is the longest technically, but it, when you add up the actual total time in a deficit, I still haven't been in a deficit for this whole time. You know, I haven't even reached full six months of a deficit technically. Um, all right, here we go. Let's get a couple more. Um, 
this is an easy one. Adiberkowitz. I probably butchered that, sorry. Do you track on vacation? 90% of the time, I do not. Uh, I think there's a time and a place for tracking on vacation. I think some people should. If you don't have food awareness, if you don't have a, a good understanding and education of macros and how to track um, or measure food, I think it, it, there's value in it. I personally don't because I've been tracking macros and weighing food and stuff for long enough that I can easily I can easily guesstimate all those things. So um, I don't always. Uh, most of the time, I just try to enjoy it and I just keep things moderate. Um, J Mills underscore NJ. How do we know if we are gaining strength or muscle if we can't tell? If you can't tell, then you probably aren't, period, because you should tell. So you got to change something. Um, if you're gaining strength, your weight should be going up in the gym or uh, you should be doing more reps for the same amount of weight, which would be more like muscle endurance, but that can contribute to strength if it's below the 15 rep range. So at the end of the day, if you're not seeing progressive overload in the gym, i.e. doing more volume or doing more sets or doing more weight on the bar, you're not gaining strength and you need to change something to gain strength. If you're not noticing muscle, which means that you're not adding weight in the gym, you're not adding reps or volume in the gym, and your clothes aren't fitting tighter, you're not gaining uh, any weight um, or size, or maybe you're getting leaner, but you can see more muscle being added on because you're recomping because you're new. Um, if you can't see any of that, then then you're not. So a lot of times, like, I think patience is really important. So make sure that you're patient. But if you've been at it for a while and you're like, man, I, I don't see any difference and it's been months, then man, you're just, you're, you're doing something a little bit off or not correctly. And you got to, you got to revert to changing something up. James underscore cross underscore coaching. If client, if a client is losing weight, but body fat isn't budging, what should be adjusted? Um, if you're looking at this from a, their weight is changing, but their body fat percentage isn't changing, changing based on whatever tool in body, uh, the handheld thing, anything like that, then I would ignore the body fat percentage. I'd probably recommend stop tracking that with your client because I think it's just going to cause frustration. You don't need to do it. Um, and I think that you should be focusing more on, uh, what they look like. So if they're losing weight and they look leaner in their pictures and they're doing measurements and that's improving, then they're, dude, you're fine. You don't need to change anything. Nothing should be adjusted. But if they're losing weight and they don't look leaner, their clothes aren't fitting better, they're not happier, then you probably aren't in a big enough deficit. They're probably not managing stress well. Um, They're probably not training properly. The basic stuff, usually there's nothing crazy that needs to be changed. It's just minor details that need to be tweaked, right? Sometimes people don't do enough volume and they lose weight and they don't maintain muscle. So they're not, they're losing total weight. Um, they're, so they're losing some body fat, but they're also losing some micro, muscle glycogen. So it's, and technically that's muscle atrophy, right? And so their weight loss is faster, but they don't look any better because they're essentially creating a skinny fat body. So increase volume of training and keep the deficit the same in that case. But um, the simple stuff usually needs to be tweaked and sometimes nothing at all. Uh, another one from anonymous reasons why the scale fluctuates. What are realistic expectations? So I already kind of talked about realistic expectations. Um, reasons why the scale fluctuates. I mean, it's endless. Um, if you have too much sodium on one day, uh, if you, um, have a serious increase in water or just water retention, if you have high stress, if you were traveling, um, if you had bad digestion, um, if you had too much fiber in one day or, or more fiber than normal, uh, it might block you up or slow down digestion. If you have a good amount of fiber, but not enough water, um, that will cause, uh, the opposite of what fiber usually does for you because you need water to bind to the fiber to do its job. Uh, also if you don't have enough fiber, uh, that's another one. If you dramatically increase fiber, uh, if you had a hard tr- training session, I mean, if you just change programs or like this happens a lot with women who just get into strength training, right? They, they finally change to a strength training program. 
their body is creating a lot of uh, systemic and uh, localized inflammation on the muscle, which is not a bad thing. Muscle being broken down and worked hard in a training session is going to cause inflammation on the tissue level, and that tissue needs to be repaired and replenished, and that's what leads to muscle growth. So it's part of the adaptation process. It's not a bad thing, but there's plenty of times where I see women who, and men really, like who jump into a strength training program and the scale goes up, but they look better. Well, it's because that your muscles are sore. Your muscles are creating inflammation. They're pulling water and carbohydrates into the muscle cell, which is good. So you have a lot of glycogen going on. Um, it's not a bad thing at all. Or even if you just switch programs, you've been training for a while, but you just switch programs, you increase volume, you did a new exercise and you're sore. Soreness is also a good uh, indicator of uh, fluctuation on the scale for the same exact reason. Um, so those are all huge ones. Uh, I mean, the, the list is really endless. I mean, if you have more food in a day, if you have too much sodium, if you have high stress, because stress increases cortisol, cortisol retains water. Um, if you travel, you're going to retain water or bloat. If you drink alcohol, for a lot of people, they retain uh, water, alcohol, fluid. They bloat. They, they get puffy fingers and toes and stuff like that. I know I do when I drink a lot of wine, um, which is every weekend. Uh, too much salt, too much carbs, refeed day. Uh, eating out and you didn't guesstimate properly and that's okay. Or there's just a lot of sodium because there always is on food that you eat out. Um, hard training session, if you just start taking creatine, like there's really a lot if you just increase protein. So if you're under eating protein dramatically and you just increase protein, it's going to reside in your gut for a little bit until your body gets used to storing the protein. And that's normal. Um, it's not going to store as fat. You're just a little bloated and it's going to, it's going to pass. So, um, I mean, the reasons are literally endless, but this is why the scale is not the only thing to pay attention to. Um, you know, realistic expectations are uh, technically a realistic weight loss goal is 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week. And that's usually a, about a, anywhere between a half a pound to two pounds a week for most people, or a half pound to two, two and a half pounds, depending on your weight. And that's what's good about it. It, it, it fluctuates depending on your weight, but there's going to be weeks you don't lose at all. There's going to be weeks that you're up. There's going to be weeks you're down too. These things happen. And that's why it's important to also track biofeedback, stress, hunger, cravings, performance, recovery. It's important to look at sleep. It's important to look at progress pictures. It's important to take measurements. It's important to look at performance in the gym. If you can look at all these things and everything's improving except your weight, you're still in the clear. You're still moving the right way forward. So one of the biggest keys here is just not only looking at the scale. Um, it's just not the only answer, you know? So um, that's my best advice on that one. And... Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, that's, I mean, that was quite a few questions. I have quite a few more, but I think I'll save them for the next podcast. Um, and I had a couple more that just came in. So um, we're going to save the rest for the next podcast uh, while, when I have Trav here with me and we do another Q&A. Uh, real quick, last thing I want to say is just to shout out our sponsor of this episode, uh, the best supplement company there is on the market. So if you need supplements, if you need protein, you need multivitamins, you need fish oil, you need joint health supplements, you need hormone health supplements, you need uh, pre-workout, post-workout, they literally have everything. Uh, and not only that, but they put out a ton of great education and they don't bullshit you. They're not going to tell you you need supplements. They're going to tell you they supplement a great training and nutrition program. Um, I've been on their podcast two or three times. They've been on my podcast multiple times. I've recommended their books. Uh, I love Legion. I'm a huge fan of Mike Matthews. They're great people and I could not recommend their supplements enough. They truly are the best in the market. Their boarded advisors are the most intelligent guys I have ever uh, learned from in the supplement industry. And they're very transparent about lab testing, dosing, all of that. So I can't recommend them enough. They are the official sponsor of these Q&A podcasts. And I'm super grateful for about for that. Uh, so you can head over to buylegion.com slash boom boom, and you can save 20% on your first order. Um, and after that, you're going to start earning points and those points are going to add up to free supplements. So go check it out. Bylegion.com slash boom boom. We'll check you guys out next time. Thank you.